Grace and mercy and peace belong to you. From God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God before us this morning is from our Gospel reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. You are one of Jesus' twelve disciples. You and, and Jesus and the other disciples are near Capernaum, a fishing town on the northwestern corner of the, of the Sea of Galilee. You're standing near the shore, and as you look out towards the east over the water, you see a bunch of boats coming in. Boats filled with people. And they hit the shore and the people are piling out. And as soon as they see Jesus, the, the, the people, are, they're, just, they're just all smiles. They're all excited. They're, they're, they're all eager. Jesus, however, knows that underneath all of that excitement and underneath all the smiles, a lot of these people are carrying false presumptions. False presumptions about who Jesus is and, and why Jesus has, has come. Now, as you and I sit in and, and, and listen in on this exchange that takes place between Jesus and this particular grouping of people there on the shore, you and I have opportunity to consider false presumptions about Jesus that can often threaten to seep into your thinking and, and mine. First of all, let's get, a, let's get a setting. If you were, if you were with us last week, you may recall that at that time, Jesus and his disciples were on another side of the Sea of, uh, of Galilee. And there, Jesus performed a, quite a dramatic miracle. He, he, he fed thousands, thousands of people with five small, puny, barley loaves of bread and two little bitty fish. That, in relation to the Word of God before us this morning, it is now simply one day later, simply one day later. This is what has taken place in that one day since Jesus performed that miracle of, of feeding thousands of people. Right after he, he fed those thousands of people by his miracle, Jesus sent his disciples to get back into their boat and to head back across the Sea of Galilee to get back to Capernaum, Jesus himself stayed behind. He stayed behind because, well, he wanted some alone time with his heavenly Father. He went up into a solitary place up on a mountain and to, to pray for a while. And the people who were left behind, who, had, who received that miraculous feeding of bread, they were aware of this, that the disciples have left Jesus was still around. 
during the night, as Jesus' disciples were working their way across the lake towards Capernaum, massive storm blew up. And while they were dealing with the storm, the disciples looked out in the middle of the night, and there was Jesus walking towards them on the water. Well, that in itself is an, is an episode all by itself, but to shorten it up for our own purposes, Jesus got into the boat, and the boat safely made it across the lake to Capernaum. The people, meanwhile, who were still on the other shore, they knew, of course, that the disciples had left. When they realized that Jesus was no longer there, they started piling into boats. Perhaps they were boats for hire provided by local fishermen who saw an opportunity for maybe a small fee to get them across the lake. And so they all piled into these boats. They went across the lake. And then when they got to Capernaum, very likely they were quite shocked to see that Jesus was already there with his disciples. Well, how, how did that happen? How did that happen? And so very likely with lots of smiles and probably more than a little bit of curiosity, many of the people begin to ask Jesus, Rabbi, when did you get here? Rather than make small talk about when he got there, however, Jesus chooses to speak, Jesus chooses to speak to one of their false presumptions. He says, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. That one sentence from Jesus is telling. He's pointing out that all these people are eager to see him, not because yesterday's miraculous feeding of them, not because that miraculous sign demonstrates that, that he is the Son of God and the promised Savior from sin. Rather, they are excited to see him because to them... He's the one who can give them free food. He's the one who can make their lives more comfortable and easy. He continues, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. In reply, however, in reply, Many people in that crowd fall back on another false presumption that they have. They ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? What must we do to do the works God requires? They presume that in order to get good stuff from God, they have to do good stuff for him. They have to... They have to come to an arrangement. They have to earn his favor. They have to make themselves worthy, good enough. Jesus takes that presumption and he turns it on its head. The work of God 
Jesus says. In other words, what God has come to work in you, the work of God, is this, to believe in the one he has sent, to trust in Jesus, Son of God, as your Savior from sin. But now, many in the crowd reply with still another false presumption, if you're keeping count. They ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? After which they, they, they cite an Old Testament miracle from, from centuries earlier, one that they consider very impressive, and that particular miracle was was when God, through Moses, uh, created a lot of bread for God's people out in the middle of a desert and created it pretty much out of thin air, they conveniently forget, if they're asking Jesus for miraculous signs, they conveniently forget that Jesus has been performing miraculous signs all throughout his public ministry, and he is well into two years of public ministry by now. In the Gospel of John alone, John cites any number of miraculous signs that Jesus has already performed to demonstrate who he is, including yesterday's miracle of feeding these very people. Since bread was so much on their minds, Jesus uses the picture of bread to transition to what truly matters. Jesus says, My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. The bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. This, that gathering of people on the shore, this they find intriguing. Sir, they say to Jesus, Sir, always give us this bread. And now, now Jesus, in his exchange with this gathering on the shore, Jesus now comes to his central point. And here it is. I am the bread of life, he declares. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Nationally recognized nutritionists, nationally recognized nutritionists, have sometimes given, given us this, this general bit of advice when, for when you walk into a grocery store and, and, and you want to try to buy what is healthy and avoid what's not so healthy. A general rule of thumb that they often offer is this, that when you walk into a a grocery store, 
try to pick food from around the perimeter of the store, and for the most part, try to ignore the middle. When you give it some thought, it makes a lot of sense. Try to eat from the things that are around the outer perimeter of the store, and for the, well, for the most part, try to ignore the middle. As we all know, there's a whole lot of yummy, snacky things in the middle that taste good in the moment, but in the long term, they probably do not satisfy. In fact, in the long term, they can actually maybe threaten to displace the food we really need. Well, brothers and sisters, our culture, which is part of a broken down old world because of sin, the culture around us, and you know this, gives us all kinds of messages as to how you and I should fill ourselves up. And, and many times the message is to, to fill ourselves up with the, with, with the equivalent of, of the, the stuff in the middle of a grocery store. Fill yourself with pleasure. Fill yourself with entertainment. Fill yourself with a lot of leisure time. Fill yourself with hobbies. Fill yourself with, with TV. Fill yourself with a, a zeal to, to find a better place to live. Fill yourself with a newer car. Fill yourself with, with nice clothes. Fill yourself with social media. Got to keep track. Fill yourself with the latest news. Nobler answers might include things like fill yourself with exercise. Fill yourself with good books. Fill yourself with, with productive work. Fill yourself with friendships. Fill yourself with a, with a noble, charitable cause. Fill yourself with family. No one will deny all beautiful gifts from God, these things. Gifts from God for you and me to use and embrace and cherish. But to the degree that you and I put those things before the bread of life, to the degree that you and I fill ourselves with those things at the expense of the bread of life, you and I do so to our eternal peril and the peril of our children and the peril of our grandchildren. I am the bread of life, Jesus declares. I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Be refreshed, therefore. You and I be filled by His Spirit with a heart of repentance. Bask in what Jesus has done at the cross to wash away all of our our sins of distraction and wandering and, and drift. Be lifted up in the joy of full forgiveness that you and I possess in Christ and be empowered to feed on the food that endures to eternal life. Be empowered to live in Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Jesus. Amen.